Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron, and I am grateful you are listening to this episode today. You know, sometimes when you meet someone, you just have this amazing connection and their energy is so contagious. Well, that describes my next guest, Eric Ehrenstoft. Him and I met at a networking meeting and instantly connected, had a great conversation, had a follow-up conversation. And what he shared with me within five minutes, I said, you have to be on the podcast. So he is the author of a book called Conscious Intelligence, which completely resonates with me on every single level. And obviously, we'll get into that. But I want to properly introduce Eric. So Eric is the CEO of E3 Capital Partners, which is a real estate firm. He is also a former Disney executive and LA County Fire Department first responder. He has worked in and has called six countries his home. He describes himself as a futurist, a visionary, a competitive open water swimmer, and he is a prolific author, a keynote speaker, and an expert, like I said, on conscious intelligence. And you may be asking, what is conscious intelligence? Which is exactly what I asked. And I'm going to let Eric tell you all about it. But here's the bottom line. You know, we are not our circumstances. And it's so interesting because I feel like I can get along with everyone. But the people that drive me crazy and that really grate against me are the people that play victim. And I think that's why this book so resonated with me. And I absolutely love it. First of all, Eric is a great storyteller. The book is full of great stories. And the thing I love about the book is it isn't just Eric's perspective. Eric brings in research from all these amazing thought leaders throughout history, spiritual thought leaders, business thought leaders. And he culminates all of this into this book where he talks about conscious intelligence. And not only does he talk about conscious intelligence, but he talks about these distinctions or what I'll call nuances between different words like judgment and judgmental, like challenge and problem. And it's just so, so interesting. Eric has a zest for life, which makes him so magnetic. I can't wait for you to listen to this conversation with Eric and as I typically do, I ask you to think about this conversation as we're going through it and ask yourself, where might I have been a little asleep at the wheel? Meaning, what areas of your life can you increase your consciousness? Where can you have more choice? Where can you take more of an active role? in your life for yourself on behalf of yourself. So I invite you to think about that as you listen to our conversation. I can't wait for you to listen to this episode. So let's dive into my conversation with Eric Ehrenstoft. Welcome to the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron. I'm obsessed with helping people feel more connected to themselves, the people they love, their work, and their purpose. I'm a leadership coach, speaker, self-improvement junkie, wife, mom of two teenagers, and 30-year corporate career woman turned entrepreneur. 
this podcast will give you the tools, insights, and real honest conversations that will help you lead your life so you can love your life. Let's dive in. Eric, I have been so looking forward to this conversation and so glad you're here with me today. Um, So thank you for making the time. Thank you. Good to be here. Awesome. I would love if you would just start out telling my listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're calling in from, and a little bit about your career history. Wow. Where to start? Uh, My (laughs) name is Eric Ehrenstock. I am calling you from Los Angeles or talking from Los Angeles, California, Marie Del Rey area. And a little bit about me. I run two companies. Uh, one is E3 Capital Partners. It's a real estate company and we specialize in finance uh, as well as brokerage, as well as um, litigation support. So like expert witness stuff. And the other company is the platform of conscious intelligence, which I'm sure we're going to get more into. But it is about uh, training conscientious leaders in conscious intelligence, what it is, and applying the principles of conscious intelligence into leadership and into our our lives. And my background, uh, it's vast. Um, I took a, um, I worked for several years at the Walt Disney Company. So I've been corporate America, been a first responder uh, with the, fire department for my entire adult life. Um, I'm a lifelong athlete, uh, open water, rough water swimmer, and martial artist and yogic artist, as well as um, has, have worked um, as an entrepreneur uh, with these companies, probably some other things, but that's that's it in a nutshell. Yeah. So lived, thank you for oh, sharing. I lived, uh, lived in uh, six different, lived and worked in six different countries. Uh, as well. So sorry. (laughs) No, I love I love that you shared all of that. And, you know, it's what connected us. So we connected in a conversation in a networking group. And the funny thing is, is we got paired up. And all of a sudden, we were we kept talking, 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 we're like, we really need to continue this conversation. And I was so curious to know about conscious intelligence, as you shared it and your background. And we had that conversation. I was like, you know what? You have to be on the podcast because I love what you shared about conscious intelligence and what you shared with me. And I really wanted you to be able to have the opportunity to share it with my listeners because I think it's really valuable and important. So you mentioned you're an author. You wrote a book. And I have it right here. Conscious Intelligence, um, Master Your Circumstances, Master Your Life, which really goes in and it's so in alignment with my mission and my purpose on this podcast around leading your life, you know, leading your life from a very holistic perspective. I have a lot of different listeners, or sorry, a lot of different um, interviews on this podcast, really from a holistic perspective. You know, how do you have good communication with your teenage son or daughter? How do you, how do you become a great leader? How do you do become a power networker? And now we're having the conversation about conscious intelligence, which really is around creating this deeper awareness. So I would love for you to share with my audience, what is conscious intelligence and what inspired you or what was your journey to writing the book? I love the question. So what is conscious intelligence? Conscious intelligence is the ability to gain mastery over our circumstances. 
It is the attainment of clarity and perspective within our circumstances to bring about optimal results. Now, what is that? When we look deeper into what, quote, our circumstances means, our entire life experience is really just a whole host of one circumstance to the next, moment to moment. And when we truly put our arms around this and gain perspective, perspective with a capital P, Mm-hmm. The entire world of conscious intelligence opens up for, you know, look, the way that I describe it is we are not our circumstances. We are not defined by our circumstances unless we allow them to be or we don't know the difference. So if we understand that, for example, if you have a if you're looking out your window and you see a tornado approaching your home, you're not the tornado. And you watch, you watch this tornado as it starts to rip through your home and might even leave your home somewhat damaged or devastated. Mm-hmm. You are not that damage or de- uh, devastation either. So how we conduct ourselves within our circumstances has everything to do with what will result and our ability to conduct ourselves optimally within our circumstances allows us to perform optimally. And it is said that when we do this optimally, we have grace. It is really about integrating these principles into our life so that we can operate with grace, with perspective, with the capital P. And in doing that, fulfill our highest potentiality, perform optimally. And when I work with conscientious leaders, which is what I do um, mm-hmm. in the areas of performance, productivity, positivity, and perspective. This is the connective tissue that elevates their organizations, their communities, their families. And deeply important, don't ever forget themselves. It is so powerful that it starts with within ourselves. All the most successful luminaries, the CEOs that, that you look up as look at as a luminary, they are always digesting and seeking knowledge and absorbing wisdom so that they can integrate it into their organization, into their lives, into parenting, and most importantly, within themselves, because that is how we create the life that we live into. So that's a lot, but it's hard to define conscious intelligence just with a definition. I mean, it it is a connective tissue. It is a way of being. And the the book and platform really help us define and fill out what that is so that we can inform this into our lives. Yeah. And Eric, what I love that you're sharing is this idea. And it, like I said, it's, it's why we connected and we're having multiple conversations about it. It's about this idea of really having this deep personal awareness. Cause this is what I hear you saying and, and being super connected and active in and being intentional about how you choose to live your life. And so what do you see are the benefits of that? Well, um, wow. So, (laughs) you know, we hear a lot today about mindfulness. I don't really like that word. Uh, Actually, it's not the word that I don't like. It's, it's the incredible overuse of it, you know, all the way to, to advertising now where if a company uh, major corporate company uses mindfulness and these other words. 
all of a sudden it becomes ubiquitous and sort of meaningless. But consciousness and conscientiousness is what, what I've used to more specifically address this. And, you know, so how does it work in your life? Think about this. Let's look at conscious intelligence. Let's look at the words intelligence. If we think of knowledge as information points like computer terminals, we can think of intelligence as networking them all together to work in collaboration to provide more dimension. Think knowledge versus wisdom. You could feel the difference in those words and what they are, a computer terminal versus a network. And then you look at conscious, the word conscious, or more accurately, conscientiousness. Mm -hmm. The continued and endless striving for clarity, for knowledge, for understanding, by which in doing so, we attain, again, using that word, capital P perspective. Perspective, not a perspective, but perspective from having perspective from 30,000 feet, from our immediate surroundings, and the most powerful, I keep on saying this, from what's inside of us. Um, a broad spectrum of choices illuminate, and from there, we are best equipped to make optimal decisions, empowered decisions, wise choices, optimal results. That's it. It's about being able to open up, illuminate, all of your choices by having perspective. By the way, those are definitions of people that are empathic, people that are um, that are conscientious, right? People who are not so narrow-minded and biased. You know, we all have inherent bias, but when we open up and listen and learn and uh, are open to new ideas and ones that we might not be familiar with, we attack our fears with with curiosity. When we do. All, all these things that I'm saying, you should be checking boxes and going, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I've heard this. I've seen this. But this is where it develops in your life. When you do this, you create optimal results because you're looking at the entire spectrum of choices. You know, when, when we are limited in our choices, we make bad decisions. Mm -hmm. When we perceive that we um, have few choices or if we haven't done the work or aren't conscious of the fact that there are more perspectives out there, there are more choices out there. If all you had is chocolate or vanilla, choose your favorite ice cream, you're like, well, I kind of like pistachio. When you realize that there's hundreds and thousands of flavors of ice cream, you're gonna probably choose the optimal ice cream that is most fitting to you. And yeah. it's the same with making just powerful decisions. Yes. So that, that's how it's applied. And if you look at that across business, across personal, across family, this this is connected in, you know, a big piece of this is about communication and the way we communicate out into the world and the way that we communicate with ourselves. And we all know that inner voice, that inner talk, that mm -hmm. critical parent, whatever, you, you know, psychology has a number of different names for it. Yep. But um, it's about, you know, gaining perspective on that as well. Yeah. So I'm super curious. What inspired you to dive into writing the book, um, coming up with this idea of conscious intelligence, which I love, by the way? What was your inspiration? You know, a, a wise person once said, if you search high and low in bookstores, libraries, all over, and you can't find that book, it's yours to write. Mm. And I kept on getting in myself 
having this this continuous question of why is there so much breakdown in communication? Why is there so much divisiveness in this world? Notice it? Why is there so much blame? Why is there so much lack of accountability? Why is there so much misunderstanding? And from that, I, I also saw, and you see around you, what misunderstanding and miscommunication and lack of communication it causes it, it consumes so much time, so much energy, and so much money and other resources that if we could prevent some of that, we would save time, we would have more time, more resources to spend towards things that are, are much more important than griping and bickering and blaming and walking around. So anyway, that is sort of a a brain download of what yeah. caused me to start asking this question. And I and look, I've consumed many books, studied Carl Gustav Jung, Joseph Campbell, the psychology, all the philosophies, Eastern philosophy, Western philosophy, existentialism, every kind of ism you could think of, uh, all the religions and spiritualities of the world, a study of them. And this is a secular platform. It's a secular book. It's not spiritual. It's not religious. Although, if you're looking at it with that, with that slant, it will open up your spirituality and religion because it, it is all it is the connected tissue. It's not it's not a lens. Part of the rule of writing this was I'm not giving you a perspective, and I'm not looking. To, the idea is to remove the lens and to have complete, clear perspective. And religion and spirituality is a lens. So mm-hmm. it would have betrayed its own rules that I that I created that I uh, that that is a perspective and therefore it wouldn't uh it would violate it but if you put it if if you overlay it onto whether you're on a career path a relationship path or a spiritual path in any all it will amplify and catalyze those paths and give you perspective within them so that again you could make powerful decisions about about what what your objectives are so while I'm getting lost in what I'm saying, that, that, that's pretty much, um, you know, so what, what inspired me, it wasn't written. I wanted to culminate not only my own life experience as a, you know, there's a lot of things that there's stories in the book, uh, especially about stories that, that culminated from being a first responder, reacting versus responding. We're not first reactors, we're first responders. Mm. If we approach our life, our crisis in business, as well as family, you know, uh, Natalie off, offline, you and I were talking about some personal um, circumstances that presented themselves. And how did we conduct ourselves within those circumstances to try to bring about, we couldn't control them, but what right. we could is conduct ourselves and, and make certain choices to have them resolve as best we can with us behaving in those with grace. And so it's the same thing when you start to build conscious intelligence the ability to conduct ourselves optimally in any circumstance is a very powerful tool. And you see people, you know, people that seem to operate in grace. They seem to keep their head about them while all around them are losing theirs. They seem to step forward into fear rather than retreat and start talking about them behind people or situations behind their back or complaining and doing nothing and being powerless. So it empowers you. It makes you a magnetic leader. And leadership, you know, make no mistake, leadership is not about pushing your power 
onto other people and brawn and bullying and and you know this this whole you know fascist type of you know top down leadership and power is about empowering others which is really a whole different change in paradigm and and you will this is this is a principle that that repeats over and over in so many different ways empowering others what does that mean how do you do that and how does that come back to actually make you more the, the highest level of leadership and power is actually a base of people who revere you and look up to you and are honored and feel empowered by you but you know a mentor who you love think about it someone who is an absolute um, luminary to you that person gave you something that helped you elevate in your own life and and your gratitude for them offering that is you, you would do anything for them mm-hmm. that is them empowering you that's not them pushing power down to you sure at you and so being empowered and empower, empowering others is a, is is the highest level of power that you can have so mm, those are I love things. that. No, I love that. Okay, so there's so much to unpack here. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, literally, we can, I feel like we could have a four-hour podcast. So a couple of things. One is the thing that you and I share is this deep-rooted curiosity, this insatiable curiosity. You know, quite frankly, it's I have this podcast not only so I can share and impact other people, but it's also so I can learn. I have conversations like this so I can learn from the people I interview. I get just as much out of it as my audience does. So I love, love, love your your insatiable curiosity. And you share in the book about this insatiable curiosity you had as a kid and how your mom really helped you um, I don't I don't want to give it away. I want you to share it, but how your mom helped you reframe and encourage this curiosity from like ba- breaking apart versus breaking through or breaking in. I, and I'm probably not getting it exactly right. So I'll let you share the story. But it sounded like your curiosity started at a really young age. It did. Uh, I was that kid. You've seen him. <laughs> I was that kid. Hey, why this? Well, Eric, because that. Oh, well, then why that? Oh, well, because this, this, and this. Oh, well, well, if this is this, then, then what about this, this, and this? And oh, for God's sake, Eric, go look it up or go, you know, just like I drove people crazy. I had a lot of energy. I, I honestly have a, I still to this day, I am that kid. I have an insatiable curiosity. I love to learn. I love to grow. I am curious. Uh, I know a lot of things about how things happen and how they're built. Because seriously, if I didn't know, I couldn't, I couldn't live with myself unless I found out. <laughs> so people are like, gosh, you have a lot of, you have a lot of information about a lot of different things. And actually, um, one thing that was hurtful to me when I was a kid too was that was kind of sometimes spoken to me as you're a jack of all trades, master of none type of a scenario. Yeah. And it was, and it was actually, you know, obviously meant in a, in a negative way. And that really, that really damaged, uh, like, like bruised me with my, you know, my, my own, um, self esteem and things like that, because it was, it was a negative attribute. And then I realized in the 21st century, it's like, 
an entrepreneur, you are, you know, that is what entrepreneurs wear every hat, have to know a little bit about everything and and understand how to get, you know, put it all together. Again, knowledge points versus wiring them together and creating wisdom, creating awareness versus consciousness. There are there are these distinctions of these, this dimension, dimensionality of being able to connect all these things. So yeah, my mom gave me the distinction between you know, breaking things apart for the sake of breaking them apart versus uh, understanding that certain, um, you know, some rules are meant to be broken. You know, know the rules so well, you know when to break them and when to try to transform them. And we see that even today. Look at, again, I always pull it to to what's happening now. You know, some some people would argue that the government is relatively dysfunctional um, and some of the things that are going on today and trying to resolve issues we're, we're doing these same things over and over again expecting different results mm-hmm. and um, there's dysfunction in this so when is it appropriate to be a disruptor but then you know and conscious intelligence and the whole framework which we didn't get into we could if you want i make the whole framework is made up of distinctions so in this one for instance the difference between disruption versus anarchy disruption is purposeful purposefully looking at something that's not working or not working optimally and finding a better way Anarchy is just breaking shit. Um, excuse my language for the no, sake of, for the sake of breaking shit. Yeah, you know? and we saw a distinction there. We saw people that were peacefully protesting versus people that were coming in and infiltrating that, uh, posing as peaceful protesters, but they were really just going in and taking advantage of breaking stuff apart and uh, and trying to fold in. And then you see the conflation of. Oh well, these peace, these aren't peaceful protesters; they're anarchists. And it's like, no, um, there there were two different types of people, and some some took advantage of that. And we do that. Think about where that happens in a lot of areas of our life. So, you know, making the distinction there and understanding could help us understand the deeper, subtle circumstances of what is actually happening. So, you know, maybe a controversial topic or whatnot, but but. We talk about these different distinctions. And when we make those distinctions, again, I, I mentioned earlier, reacting versus responding. Yeah, I would love for you to to hone in on that one. I actually took, I wrote that down. You know, I love what you said, you know, we're first responders, we're not first reactors. So I I never thought about it in that context before. And so can you explain the distinction between those two? Absolutely. It seems rather obvious, but I would love for you to um, to expand upon it. I love that you said that, Natalie. It seems obvious. When you actually see some of the distinctions that I make, mm-hmm. the first thing you're going to say is, oh, yeah, I feel that there's a distinction there. I often conflate those two and don't really make the distinction, but I feel that there's but then it, you might sit there 15, 20, 30 minutes or more and try to figure out and articulate what that distinction is. What I've done is I've taken the, I've taken the, uh, the brain damage out of that because I've done the research and, and can make those distinctions. Think of reacting, react versus respond. Reacting, think of your knee jerk response, like your reflexes, your, your stimulus response. They tap the knee, the knee jerks. When we're in reaction mode, we're really not, there's really not a conscious, effort it's unconscious and it's it's based on our natural instincts as well as what we've learned throughout our life so if somebody yells at you now I, if we're talking to many different people someone yells at you now if i'm an italian family and we talk with our hands and we start you know it's like they're used to it 
But if you've been in a, maybe you were an only child and there was never any conflict in your family and it was never, nobody ever raised their voice and somebody's talking really loud, you're, you're without even knowing it, the person is completely off-putting you and, and throwing you off of, you know, so our experiences are developed in uh, how we react to things. The difference is a response. If you think of, you have a stimulus, if you have perspective on that, at the stimulus level of being able to take a whole perspective of what's happening in that moment, you can help actually get perspective on that stimulus and shepherd a more optimal response. Yes. Mm -hmm. So if you think of upstream, downstream, a stimulus is upstream. We have abilities to make decisions within that timing. And it becomes less and less time as we become more and more conscious, then right. we can elicit more powerful responses. So as a first responder, for example, um, if I show up, this is life is a box of chocolates. We get dispatched. I show up in an emergency situation. There are people bleeding. There are people, uh, there are the people who are loved ones around screaming and saying, do something. And, oh my God, we're all going to die. And, you know, think about a stressful situation. That sure. could also be your boardroom when a client just pulled out or just had a connection. Right. Right. You know, use the metaphor. But you show up to, now, if I showed up and you are in a car and you're stuck and there's a fire smoke and stuff like that, and I came up and said, oh my God, this looks terrible. You're bleeding all over the place. This is horrible. You know, you're going to be like, get this guy away from me. I'm going to die. Uh, but But the guy has feelings. The guy cares, but he's just emoting it. Now, if the same person, the same situation came and said, look, you're, you've been in a car accident. I'm here to help you. My name is Eric. And uh, I'm going to cut this seatbelt away from you. What is, you know, what is your name? And started to address you. The smoke around you is not smoke. The car's not on fire. It's the sodium azide from the propellant of the airbag. So it's, uh -huh. uh, but we're going to get you out of here. And a calm, cool, collected, they're going to feel comfortable. And, and that's me conducting myself with grace because I'm not helping the situation if I'm emoting and crying and screaming all over the place. I'm helping the circumstance by getting them out of there. It doesn't mean that I care any less or that I don't have emotions. It means that the proper conduct, the response is for me to know how to conduct myself within a, a hazardous and critically stressful situation with grace because that way I can elicit a more powerful response. And um, so reacting versus responding. I know that was kind of a long pontification. Uh, no, I think it's great. I think it's great. And so interesting, because what I hear you saying, too, is the difference between reacting and responding is choice is, you know, when we have that knee jerk reaction, like when someone taps on our knee, there's no choice in that we're just re we're just reacting. We don't have a choice. But we have a choice in how we respond. And so I, I think that's important. And also, you know, you've been practicing in how to respond. You've been trained. You're consciously aware of how to respond because of all your training, because of all your background education and being a first responder. And what I really think and believe is that your book is a way of training people and how to be more conscious. Absolutely, Nelly. And I'm, I'm glad you said that. So yeah, because out of that situation, maybe the question is, Eric, so how do I, how do I get that kind of grace? And this is the powerful thing. 
is when we talk about things like, you know, I, I, I trained in martial arts. I've, I've trained and I'm an instructor in, in the yogic arts and yoga in uh, breathing. I'm an athlete. There, there's a lot of different ways that we train. If you are training in self-defense, if you show, think about it, if you're walking down the street and someone comes up to you and you don't know what to do, you're going to go into reaction mode. You're going to, you're going to freeze up. You're going to be scared. But if you've taken a few self-defense courses and you recognize the issue, situational awareness, and you know the different options, again, perspective, the different options that you can do. Oh, I see someone across the street. I'm going to avoid this. Or if they come up, heaven forbid, you have an idea of what to do. That is an ability to respond. And if you haven't done so in, in yoga, we call these practices. You're not, you don't do yoga. You practice yoga. You don't do martial arts. You practice yoga. You don't do medicine. You practice medicine. So when you're practicing something like yoga or a martial art, you are practicing these scenarios to train in your head how to conduct yourself in any stressful situation. I don't care if you're sitting in a beautiful room with beautiful music going and a beautiful instructor instructing you, you're doing these hard poses and holding them. How are you conducting yourself in that? Are you breathing? Because it's about breathing. Are you breathing or are you panting? Um, the training is in the practice of actually being in stressful situations while maintaining your breath and your mind and being mindful. And so that training, you don't think that that training applies? That's what it is. Yoga practice is training you about the rest of your life, for example. And, and the best practicings of martial arts and other types of arts are doing the same thing. They are having helping you conduct yourself and recognize that I have control over, I have personal sovereignty over my own body, no matter what, and the circumstances are outside of me. We can't control the circumstances that the universe serves us. Say, I don't know, a pandemic, <laughs> for example. That's we a good can't example. Control that, but what we can control is how we conduct ourselves within those. And the ways to to learn those principles and those tools and um, are through practices such as what I was just describing. And it helps you if you apply them properly to conduct yourself in life. Mm -hmm. it, it's not about you know, meditation, you don't meditate, you're doing meditation practice for what? You're to sit and breathe and actually be present. Think about the, your training in meditation practice so that you can walk around life 24 seven with that sort of conduct with your control over your breath, control over your body. And you do that when anything you do, you're going to be very much more graceful in doing it. So don't forget why we're doing some of these types of practices and what it is actually training you to do. So yes, it, the, the, the platform, conscious intelligence and everything that I wrote is informed by all of those different, because you'll see that there are many different paths to the center of town and your path is yours. So powerful. So playing devil's advocate a little bit, how do you, what do you say to my listener who is maybe a mom who's been through the global pandemic. Yes, we're starting to come out of it, but you know, kids still aren't back in school. She's had to bear the brunt of the housework, the emotional labor, you know, working full time, being a teacher, cooking, cleaning, all of that. And she's exhausted and burned out because of the pandemic, because of basically, you know, this is how she's had to react to the pandemic. 
So what do you say, how does conscious intelligence help her? I love the question. I'm talking to people like her and people like her, not just her circumstances, that are that give, give themselves. So not this, not these people that are takers and that, that are not like that. Who you just described is an extraordinary human being that's giving so much mm-hmm. selflessly. And there is a whole area in, in the book and in Conscious Intelligence about this. I want to give her a quote. The quote is, you do not have to set yourself on fire to keep other people warm. I want her to really get that as much as you give, if you deplete yourself, you are not going to be helping others as much as you want to. And if you deplete yourself, you are going to deprive the gift of you to the people around you that you so much want to give. So what does that mean if I peel off another layer of that? We've been on a plane, and before you even back out from the hangar, it, you know, someone comes on and says, in the case, in the unlikely case of the cabin depressurization, air masks will drop from the ceiling. What do they tell you to do? Put the mask, affix the mask to yourself before helping others. Why do you do that? Because if you're drowning I'm switching metaphors here. If you're drowning yourself, how are you going to rescue somebody else? Mm -hmm. So there's a level of personal sovereignty that we need to maintain in our lives in order to serve others, which is what people like you just described are doing. These are people of service. They're selfless. They are full of love and they're driven from love and driven with love. They're fueled by it. So. The lesson for them in conscious intelligence, and there's a lot of principles that help inform this. I can't give them all here, but it informs how we go about empowering ourselves and maintaining our personal sovereignty. Another distinction, boundaries versus walls. Oh, that sounds, you know, oh, I get that. But if you think about it, boundaries are something that we can carry around with us that people recognize and that we can recognize in other people. Walls just separate and, and, isolate people and they isolate you. They not only push people away, but they withdraw you. Do you feel the difference between full separation from a wall versus just having boundaries that people understand and that you understand and respect yourself? Mm -hmm. So these are some of the ways. That's one possible articulation of what you said about about how parents like this, how a mother like this, the, the person that you described, can take care of themselves and understand that they need to re-energize. They need to find things that light themselves up because when they're lit up, they light up other people. They need to be able to find ways to draw energy and fuel back up. You cannot operate in this world fully depleted and expect to be as... And again, my work with conscientious leaders talks about productivity and about performance. And that performance does have to do with things like personal sovereignty about powerful communication and about understanding what true service is. Because if you're operating on one hour of sleep, how mentally acute are you going to be and in and productive are you going to be at your job or in parenting or even creating a meal that's healthy for yourself? 
so, <laughs> no, it's need, so true. Right? So it's all practical. It all makes sense. But the idea is I put it all to where the wires all connect and it all starts. The idea is to have not just one aha moment. It's to have it, I, my goal was to string a whole series of aha moments to where just you're blown away by these insights and distinctions that help you will not look at the world the same way again. And that's that's by design, because with perspective, with the capital P, that is what transforms your perspective of yourself and of the world around you. Yes. And I really appreciate the some of the distinctions that you make in the book. Um, some of the ones I found really interesting were problem versus challenge, mm. um, judgment versus judgmental, being judgmental. I thought that was really interesting. So I really encourage everyone to go pick up the book. I'll have the link to the book um, in the show notes. And I'm curious to know, I know this was a, a long journey for you. It took you, what, nine or 10 years to write the book? Yes. Right? I'm curious to know, what did you learn about yourself writing the book? Kind of coming full circle to the beginning of our conversation where you couldn't find the book that you wanted for your personal development. So you wrote it. And what did you learn about yourself along the way? Oh, <laughs> you have another three hours? Um, one thing that's fun is some of that is actually in the book, um, but it forced me to look into my life experience. When I, my background is in, uh, I was on the path to become an orthopedic surgeon. That was my academic path. So um, I know how to do research. I know how to formulate research and create uh, and, and provide it. And, you know, the original draft of this book was over 120,000 words, too much. And it was very, it was pretty research driven. And my, my, I went through a number of editors. My editor extracted to help extract for me two things when we were editing it down. One was that I, I had forgotten a couple of things. There was a key piece in the beginning where uh, there was a drowning. Uh, I, I nearly drowned. Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't think of that since I was a kid. And there's a reason why I didn't. But it is a key reason as to why I became a first responder. I needed to be saved. And something wired in me that I'm trying to save other people. I'm trying to, I don't want people to go through that feeling, that horror, mm -hmm. terror that I experienced. And I think it shaped a big piece of why, the why, my why, capital W, mm -hmm. why. Um, so it helped me remember a number of things that I, I threw away and didn't think that they were that important because when, when you're you, you, doing you is not anything. Sometimes we don't think of doing you as extraordinary. Uh, all of you that I'm talking to right now, you're good at, let's say you're really good at illustrating and you're an artist. Sometimes you don't think that it's like, that's so easy for me. How can it be extraordinary? It's like, it's not easy for everybody. Mm -hmm. People think that that's extraordinary, but it's hard for us. The hardest thing, especially for people of, that are conscientious leaders, it's hard to look in the mirror and say, uh, I, and, and identify things that are actually extraordinary about yourself and actually admit that to yourself. I completely agree with you, Eric. It's the work I do with my clients so often because the strengths that we have, we just assume that everyone else has those strengths as well. And so a lot of times, you know, I, I reckon it to, um, you know, showing the fish the water. 
It's like the fish just takes the water for granted. It doesn't know that it's swimming in water and that it it's a profound swimmer and it can breathe underwater and all this other thing, you know, until you put that mirror up and you say, look, this is what you are able to do. And so many people just really don't, are they're not clear on their strengths because they really take them for granted because they come so easy to us. And so part of the work I do in my coaching practice is really helping people identify those and, and appreciate those strengths about themselves and celebrate them and utilize those to the highest potential. Um, so I, I love the work that you're doing. Any last words of wisdom for my listeners in terms of, you know, one of the big things that I pride myself on the show is helping my listeners take the insights that people share and my guests share and really turn those into action. So doing one thing different today or this week that they could implement. And so what is one thing around the topic of conscious intelligence that you would like to share in terms of what they might do to put it into action? I would choose, there's many, but I would choose this one insight in particular because it opens up the entire box. Remember, remember that you are not your circumstances. Our circumstances are not us. They do not define us. Remember looking at that tornado outside? You're not the tornado and you're not the destruction that it leaves behind. So we cannot often control what the universe serves up. What we can control is how we conduct ourselves within our circumstances. And when we conduct ourselves optimally with perspective with the capital P, we are said to have grace. So when a crisis, when pressure, when anxiety strikes you the next time, I would like, I invite you to look at it and say, wait a second, I'm going to stand here and breathe. There's the breath work, mm-hmm. right? Breathe calmly and say, this is being served on me. And I can panic. I could freak out. I can get upset. I can start throwing a bunch of emotions out. Or I can actually look at how I can get in. I can, I can fast forward to responding, figure out what my choices are, invite the people and the resources in, and we can get through this. Mm-hmm. The best way out is through. And that would be approaching it like a first responder and a hero in your own life is you. So breathe, pause for a moment and assess the circumstances. Know that they're, that they're not you, that you are not them and understand that separation that allows you to conduct yourself within it to bring about an optimal response. If you can do that and invite yourself to do that and figure out the ways, the book and platform, that's why I wrote the book. So the resources are there, but it's not the only thing. It's not, you know, um, uh, there are lots of ways. Having crisis plans, going to self-defense, learning more about your client. Um, you know, there, there are millions of things that you can do to be better prepared for circumstances that could happen like a pandemic or something. Yes. That's what I would recommend. Uh, Okay. The words of wisdom for the day. Yes. You are the hero of your own life. I, I think that is a great way to close out our conversation. Eric, thank you so much for being here today and being so generous with your time. I am so grateful. Um, and I've just really, really thoroughly enjoyed the conversation as always. So thank you again. Thank you for having me. I also enjoyed it very well. 
Thank you so much for being here today and listening to the Lead Your Life podcast. My invitation to you is that you do one thing today to move toward a more meaningful, fulfilling life for yourself. Today, you have the opportunity to challenge your mindset or have a meaningful conversation or take one action step towards your goals. So what are you waiting for? It would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next week. Until then, don't wait till tomorrow. Be your best self now. Thank you.